0: Canada is a beautiful country. If, In fact, if anything, it's over accepting to the point where it's just letting anybody come into the country and people are tolerating it. People are tolerating a slap in the face. What does that tell you about tolerant Canadians? Canadians are not Islamophobe. But it has to be resisted.
1: Joining us for the very first time on the Empower Hour is Christine Douglas Williams, a past federally appointed director with the Canadian Race Relations Foundation and a former appointee to the Office of Religious Freedom in Foreign Affairs, who was fired, Justin Trudeau, for criticizing Islam. She is a nine-time international award-winning broadcast journalist and television producer, a fill-in host for 100 Huntley Street, and the author of the books, The Challenge of Modernizing Islam, and Fired by the Canadian Government for Criticizing Islam. Christine is also the Public Affairs and Media Consultant for the International Christian Embassy, Jerusalem, Canada. Christine, thank you for joining us, and welcome to the Empower Hour. A pleasure, Heather. Thank you. Thank you, Heather. Oh, welcome, Christine. I've been so looking forward to this conversation tonight. And, um, you know, I've, I've known you for, uh, known of you mostly for several years. And uh, we have talked previously in the past. We've met in person at a conference that we were at together. And um, I've just been so amazed at the uh, tenacity that you've had to endure the kind of discrimination and hate from within our own government. Uh, the ones that are appealing to Canadians uh, you know, against uh, any kind of hateful rhetoric, to be the campaigners of it and to know your story is, is quite incredible. So I'm, I'm really grateful that you've come on the show tonight and that you have an opportunity to share your story so more people can um, have a better idea of what the government is doing regarding race relations and the agenda behind it. So I just want to give the floor over to you and uh, it's all yours.
0: First of all, Tanya, it's a real privilege to be here. I've also looked at what you're doing and I'm absolutely amazed that the the passion you have for this country and the country's foundation Mm -hmm. with no apologies. A lot has taken place in the past. It's in the past. There have been a lot of those who have repented for the past in sincerity. And when you look at Canada, it is a model or was a model of human rights. That is until it was hijacked by forces right now that are constantly gnawing at us. You gave a beautiful introduction about the topic today, because when you look at the issue of Islam, there is no issue under any democracy that should be banned for discussion. Every Mm -hmm. issue, every topic, every belief system, every ideology should be questioned. It is imperative that we question every ideology under our roof to not do so is to allow certain ideologies to fester that may be harmful to us as a nation. And when we look at what is going on now, we're looking at an ideology. Let's look abroad for a moment. Let's look at Iran, which is the keeper, the general keeper of Shia Islam. Many people don't know this. The Ayatollah Khomeini, he is the highest force in human being in Shia Islam. The only thing higher than that Ayatollah is the Quran. He is known as a Marja over to Saudi Arabia, that tends to be the keeper, if you want to put it that way, of Sunni Islam. And when you look at the oppressive regime that um, that Saudi Arabia is running with all this talk about reform, reform, ask the dissidents inside who are in jail, and you'll find out what kind of reform is going on in Saudi Arabia. You go over to Pakistan, you look at their blasphemy laws, people are being killed, especially Christians left, right, and center. There is no freedom under Sharia supremacism, and that is the issue that we write about in Jihad Watch. Robert Spencer is the one that run, runs Jihad Watch. It is under the umbrella of the David Horowitz Freedom Center. There's a lot of criticism of Robert Spencer. But if you were to ask him, and in fact, if you were to ask anybody, what is your criticism of Jihad Watch? They will keep on hurling insults at Jihad Watch, but they can't tell you what you said that was wrong. Now, that takes us to the whole meaning of the word Islamophobia. Many people don't realize that the Organization of Islamic Cooperation actually has and Islamophobia Observatory. And this is something that, it, that, that governs over not only, unfortunately, the Organization of Islamic Cooperation, but the UN is now very tight with the OIC, I will say for short. So it is spreading. If you look over, for example, in, um, in Sweden, most of you, I think, have heard about the Quran burning. I personally wouldn't go out and burn a Koran, I wouldn't burn anybody's holy book. I would not recommend anybody do so. However, I will say on that note that this individual has the right to do so. And the reason why he likely did so was because he wanted to show the, the forces behind this. Should somebody go out and burn a Bible? Should they go out and burn um, any other religious faith, their, their their book? There will be a lot of hurt feelings, yes but you won't have an international um, outburst to the point where people's lives are at stake. This mm-hmm. is primarily the problem that we face, why we need to discuss more about what's going on inside Islam, not to mention the, the um, genocide taking place in Nigeria and in the Middle East that people don't want to talk about, because every time you relate it, to the texts that we see in the Hadiths and in the Quran, and it's in there, believe me, it's in there, and it's quoted all the time on Jihad Watch. People can go look it up themselves. This is the kind of conversation that we need to be having in Western countries where human rights is truly um, celebrated, and it comes from our Judeo-Christian democracy. So to try to shut down speech, that will talk about any ideology should really get people thinking what is going on in this country and who are the people that are encouraging that my book about islamic reform in the first place those reformists that truly wanted to see a a a, a better version that honors human rights more like what we see in the west they were killed throughout history and to this day even though they may try, most of them are in Egypt. Most of these academic reformists are in Egypt. They write about Islam. They understand the language. They understand the history. They understand the 200 year, um, the separation between the, the the written word versus what was said by mouth. 200 years where the violent caliphates began and then came the words. So you wonder what is going on here? Many of you have done an exercise when you were maybe in grade eight where you stand in a line and the teacher says, okay, let's, let's give you a very um, simple story. You tell the next person until you get to the back of the line. By the time you get to the back of the line in a classroom, the, the story has changed. So what happened in 200 years? Nobody knows. The bottom line is there are those who want to see a peaceful version. From the point of view of human rights, personally, I don't care if you worship a light bulb. It's your business. It's your right under our Judeo-Christian democracy, just live in peace, advocate peace, advocate what is right in the constitution. Don't take your Sharia supremacist laws that come from overseas and bring them here where you may be offended because people are talking about Islam. You, everybody has a right under Western free constitutions to offend. We do not legislate offense. It may not be nice. Yes, people get offended, but Christianity has long been offended and you don't see that kind of reaction. When people take you back to the Crusades, they were not following the New Testament. There is nothing in the New Testament that advocates violence against disbelievers. If people did that historically in the Crusades, they did it for whatever human reason they chose to do, but there is nothing in the New Testament that advocates violence. Whereas supremacism, the taking of infidels, the expansion of territory is very much a part of the Sharia. And this is what we see going on in a stealth fashion as well as in a violent fashion. I'll I'll leave it up to you, Tanya, when you're ready to talk about the latest appointment in Canada. That was just a little bit of background. (laughs)
1: Right, thank you. And I just wanted to um, add a couple of comments to that because we know, Trudeau, we're going to get into that as well about Trudeau's nonsense that diversity is our strength. Um, Pierre Elliott Trudeau had um, implemented multiculturalism with the long-term objective to divide our country, to develop nations within our nation, because it's just a natural process of life, is that if these people aren't expected to come into Canada and integrate and uh, assimilate, then naturally they're going to want to set up their own sects and um, and bring in their fail- what we called failed foreign systems of governance and belief systems. And if people were to get offended when I say that Canada is a Christian nation founded on Judeo-Christian principles, biblical principles and values, it's embedded in our Magna Carta. It forms our laws and our values and is a system of governance that sets us apart from totalitarian uh, extremists and uh, uh, regimes and so if people question that i remind them take a look at the 57 islamic majority countries there are amazing amazing people uh muslims and christians fleeing there because they can't live in peace and they have to fear for their life it's a different political system uh, where humans get involved and where humans get involved and there is tyranny uh, that's where destruction comes in so what's happening in canada People decided that multiculturalism was true, secularism was true, and then Trudeau says this is a post-national state with no core identity. And if you believe that, I got a bridge to sell you in the Sahara, right? You can't have a society without a belief system. So he's filling it with communism. So diversity is our strength, is a pile of hogwash, It's part of the uh, psychological warfare against us to, to break down your ability to understand you have a right to, to be patriotic, to be a, a nationalist, to understand that our sovereignty as a Christian nation is core to our freedoms. Ken Hardy is a liberal MP. You had mentioned, uh, you know, about uh, where we should have a right to talk about what a legitimate fear is. Before Motion M103 was voted on, Ken Hardy said he was going to be absent for the vote because you can't legislate against fear. But then the mosque shooting took place and he said, I'm going to vote in favor of it, as will my friends across the aisle. And the last point I want to make is you talked about the Crusades. And when people say, look what the Christians did through the Crusades, what they neglect to understand is there was 400 years of infiltration from the Islamists into Christian nations, raping, pillaging and taking them over. And the UN isn't going back to these, uh, Islamists and saying, you need to, uh, pay retribution. You need to make it right. You need to apologize and you need to give the land back to the Christians. So there's a lot going on here that really directs it as the true attack is a spiritual war against Christianity. And, and so, um, I just wanted to make that comment. I don't know if you have any comments in response, and then we'll get into the uh, Race Relations Committee and and your uh, situation there.
0: There's something that people, I think, need to understand about the word Islamophobia. I think it's, um, I've heard a lot of people say, nobody has a phobia in Canada when it comes to Islam. If you want Mm -hmm. to criticize it, you're welcome to criticize it. We're allowed to. Islamophobia actually has two meanings. One is anti-Muslim bigotry, which we can agree this is wrong. It is wrong to be bigoted against any human being, period. You may be annoyed with somebody. You do not be bigoted against people. This is not something we espouse or should espouse. The other definition of Islamophobia is criticism of Islam. Now, I'm not sure, Tanya, if you had heard of the story of the district school board that created a guide to be used in public schools during Islamic Heritage Month. Now, with help from the National Council of Canadian Muslims, who is CARE CAN, they renamed themselves, so their parent organization is CARE in the United States, who was named an unindicted co-conspirator in the largest terrorism funding trial in the history of the United States, the Holy Land Foundation trial. So going back to the National Council of Canadian Muslims, they helped the Toronto District School Board form a definition of, of, um, of Islamophobia. And here is what they said. They defined it as, I'm quoting here, fear, prejudice, hatred, or dislike directed against Islam or Muslims, or toward Islamic politics and culture, unquote. Well, this led to an outcry by the organization B'nai B'rith that said, what are, you, what are you saying here? So if you criticize a regime like Iran, are you saying, according to this definition, that you're being Islamophobic? And that is exactly what the implication is. But we need to understand this is what we're faced with in the country. Amira Al-Ghawabi, who was just appointed by Trudeau as the overseer, the representative over Islamophobia, she worked for the same organization, the NCCM, as communications director from 2012 to 2017, which happens to be exactly the same time I worked for the Canadian Race Relations Foundation as a director during that interval, and I was eventually fired for writing for Jihad Watch and other publications like Gatestone. I was on the on the uh, the board of governors for the Gatestone Institute and I've also written for the Gatestone Institute. So my writings have been quite expansive and I was and I was fired for for Islamophobic writings, and none of my writings ever Islamophobic, I'm very careful to say Islamic supremacists if I'm talking about certain individuals or to talk about or, or to say, um, some people prefer the word Islamist if it's necessary in writing to differentiate who you're referring to. I never mean all Muslims and that should be mm-hmm. taken for granted for most people. That people who are, who are against Muslims and who are bigoted, that's a different story. But I am not against Muslims, nor have I ever been. But I was accused of something wrongfully and dismissed. The Canadian Race Relations Foundation was first established to fight for human rights that actually came from the Japanese redress agreement and the leader um, of a movement, Art Mickey signed an agreement with Brian Mulroney, which ended up becoming the Canadian Race Relations Foundation Act. This man is a terrific fellow, a terrific defender of human rights. So he signed that agreement and eventually it became the Canadian Race Relations Foundation governed by a board of directors that I was on. And unfortunately, and the NCCM had written a letter to the government um, disapproving of my being a director there, saying that I was Islamophobic. So with this kind of reaction and because of my warnings about the stealth jihad, where you find certain very poised Islamic supremacists that will tell you, that they're friendly, that will tell you they're your friends in Western society. But at the same time, they advocate shutting down free speech. That is not friendship. Mm -hmm. And for that, and I talked about that in Iceland, that was the final straw from their point of view that caused me to get fired by the Trudeau government.
1: Right. And it was really disgusting because, um, as you had uh, stated as well, that uh, you know, you were calling out the so-called religion of peace for their human rights abuses towards women, Christians, gays, Jews, apostates, and of course the infidels. And you know, the other case that you were talking about the of, of care being uh related to what was it in the states? Care can right down in yes, in the United the, States. Um, co conspirators. care. Mm-hmm. Right, in in, in the um, largest terrorism case. And out of that, I remember that the explanatory memorandum, which I have on the website in the report that I'm encouraging people to go and take a look at uh, this information, I'm going to read specifically what the Muslim Brotherhood had set out as their goal in the West. It says, The process of settlement, settlement is a civilization jihadist pro- process. So not a jihadi process where they're coming in with bombs strapped to them and, you know, uh, slitting people's throats and killing them. A civilization jihad with all the word means. The Ikhwan, the Muslim Brotherhood, must understand that their work in America, the West, is a kind of grand jihad in eliminating and destroying the Western civilization from within and sabotaging, get this, its miserable house by their hands and the hands of the believers so that it is eliminated and God's, Allah's, religion is made victorious over all other religions. So they've got a third of the UN seats. Their objective is to infiltrate um, as peaceful, get into positions of government, and they're doing that successfully. And then they get into positions where Ikra Khalid, for instance, was the um, MP who had tabled Motion M103 and, and, and pushed for it to be voted on. And they kept trying to say, you know, that Muslims were being basically persecuted in Canada in order to inflate this to get Motion M103 voted on. And you have to do it by getting the sympathies of people. And now the next step. So I want to back up because there's so much to, it's like an onion here, so much to unlayer. But you had mentioned uh Amira and how uh, coincidentally she happened to get into the position with the Race Relations Committee. Uh, Trudeau appointed her. And then taking those steps collectively to come up with this, now this new position of being an anti-Islamophobia czar. And in the EU, they just also, by coincidence, have uh, put an EU anti-Islamophobia czar into place. So this is a real global agenda. Uh, So what more do you have to say, you know, about that? It's very concerning. The global,
0: agenda is being, the global agenda is being pushed by the Organization of Islamic Cooperation, and they've already um, gained the, the entire, basically the UN that is is allying with them. M-103 was a problem right from the beginning. They tried to tell us it was not a problem, that it was not law, but motions found, motions actually are the foundations of future laws. If you look at M-103 and what came out of M-103, it, it ended up being a document and l- let me see here because i i want to make sure that i have that document right in front of me because i don't mm. want to um i don't want to misquote anything here hang on a second yeah that's okay
1: about. just take your time and uh and and bring that up um I, I'm just going to comment while you're finding it as well. It's interesting that you yeah. talk about uh, the celebration of Islamic month. We only get one day to uh, celebrate and honor our fallen soldiers. We get one day to celebrate Canada. Why are we having a month to celebrate Islam? And I think that everything needs to be removed from the calendar unless it's celebrating uh, Canada, Canadian values. I don't even see a need for a race relations committee if people were respectfully coming to Canada, integrating and assimilating, learning the language, and embracing our values. If you don't like it, if you come into Canada, the reason they're doing this uh, is, Islam, anti-Islamophobia motion is because the other step uh, that people that portray themselves as moderate Muslims are uh, demanding uh, prayer in schools. So some schools in Ontario, they are taking their uh, cafeterias and putting up screens so and putting down prayer mats. Uh, you know what? I'm offended by that. I don't think it has any place in the school. They want prayer mats uh, at the uh, underground uh, trans- transits, so people were fighting against that. They have an Islamic uh, um, a party of Ontario. Why? This is Canadian uh, country based on far different beliefs. So it's just they they come in with these offenses. You respond to those offenses. Go and believe that in your own country. Set up camp. Do whatever you need to, but. If you're going to come into a country and offend the sensibilities of, you know, the, the nation and you don't have an opportunity to oppose that, that, that puts us in a very bad position in order to protect our own sovereignty. And we have a right to do that.
0: Tanya, the Race Relations Foundation was once very good because I'll tell you, back in the days of the Japanese Redress Agreement, there was a lot of suffering that the Japanese mm-hmm. underwent. And if you look at the early days of the history of Canada, there, it, it, there was a time where Blacks had a very hard time getting jobs and so on. There is an element and this discrimination could be anybody. I, you know, you'll notice today that there is discrimination now against whites. There, there, there's tons of discrimination against Jews. That's actually the one group that's targeted. There was something that, um, that Harper, that Harper adopted called the Ottawa Protocol that was supposed to investigate more about anti-Semitism. And the Canadian Race Relations Foundation was supposed to be in place for everybody in Mm -hmm. honour of Canada's human rights under Canada's constitution. No one group was supposed to take over. It's a very separate issue with what the Canadian Race Relations Foundation represented with um, Art Mickey, who I have Utmost admiration for, nothing but admiration for that man. He is the most humble. He is just a terrific, kind-hearted individual that genuinely cares about human rights. Now, this is what the, the Race Relations Foundation was supposed to be about: uniting Canada, uniting all people, and being a facilitator of Various cultures, you celebrate their food, you celebrate their whatever cultures they may have. That is peaceful. The peaceful aspects. Get to know one another. If you come to the country, you belong to the Italian community. Let's be encouraged to learn the language. Let's 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 together unify Canada and celebrate human rights. But this appointment with Al-Gawabi. Is a different story altogether. Mm-hmm. She happens to be a director with the Canadian Race Relations Foundation, and the executive director is, is the guy that was dubbed the um, the spin doctor for the Danforth shooter that also worked for the NWCM. This is the kind of thing that has happened with the Canadian mm-hmm. Race Relations Foundation under Justin Trudeau.
1: So right. going so, so- back. Yeah. So I was just going to add. So basically, what you're saying, if we're and we're in agreement as this, is that the race relations committee, and that would have been my point, and I hope it wasn't misunderstood, is that the race relations committee in Canada would be based on the foundation and the principles and the values of Canada, and yes, we are the, the one of the most. Yeah, the, one of the most loving and accepting countries in the world. But there has to be an expe- expectation in return that people come to Canada. Rocco, I'm sure hoping that Absolutely. Um, he's going to be coming on because he's Italian. And he says, I know seven languages. I came into this country. His English is perfect. And, and uh, he integrated and fully assimilated, but still had his traditions with his family. My mum comes from the Netherlands and my dad comes from England. They came through the war. Their houses were blown up. They had incredible abuse. My mum lost all of her teeth for lack of diet at a, a young age. My dad had a grade seven education. I've got this beautiful picture. I'll have to put it up somewhere. He passed away many, a very long time ago. I miss him so much. And little tattered sweaters as a little boy. And then they want to come in. Under this whole race relations committee now and shifting it to support critical race theory, Bill C-11, and saying there's white privilege. I'm telling you that my mom and dad didn't experience white privilege. They worked hard to be successful and contribute really well to Canada. And one last thing is my mom and dad, I sorry, my mom, her four brothers and my grandmother, when they came here, one of the first things they signed up for was English lessons. And the government never paid them a penny. None of my family ever received any kind of money as immigrants coming to Canada, which gave them the pride of working really hard to achieve what they did.
0: And this is what diversity is supposed to be about, Tanya. It includes white people, it includes blacks, it includes Indians, Whatever religion you happen to be, Jews, whatever you are, there's supposed to be a unity in Canada. Never before has Canada been this divided. And to put an Islamophobia czar when you have Christian persecution, where Christians today aren't even allowed to go up on a pulpit and go out in schools openly and talk about their own personal beliefs about a man and a woman and about marriage. This has become it's become out of control. Christians have no voice. Uh, when you look at what's happening to to Jews in this country, every time Israel is attacked and they retaliate and it ends up there ends up being deaths on the Palestinian side. It ends up being this war increase against Israel, bashing of Israel, bashing of Jews. It's, it's come to the point where during Operation Guardian of the Walls. When Israel retaliated against rocket fire from Hamas. The protests were so frightening that there were Jews that were coming forward and saying, this reminds them of the 40s. The hate in those pro-Palestinian protests mm-hmm. was just out of control, but they don't have a czar representing Jews. Nobody has a Christian czar. Nobody has a Hindu czar. This is one united country. We don't need an overlord to watch what we say about Islam. Now going to back to M103, and I'll say this very quickly. It's very important to state very quickly that human rights lawyer David Matas, very respected human rights lawyer, had urged members of parliament to be careful in their use of the word Islamophobia because he said fear of some elements of Islam is mere prudence. Unquote. Now, after M103, a $23 million document came forward, and here was the name of it, Taking Action Against Systemic Racism and Religious Discrimination, Which Includes Islamophobia, unquote. Now, this document actually included monitoring citizens for compliance as a, an action item and training law enforcement to investigate online and offline hate. This formed the basis of what we see now in C-11, it formed the basis for what we saw backing up now this this emergency Islamophobia summit after this 19-year-old Nathaniel Veltman horribly ran over this Muslim family taking a walk and killed four people. That is a trope. And I would say that the vast majority of Canadians, over 90%, I would hope, Found it abhorrent what happened to that Muslim family. It should never have happened. But to take the deed of one individual who hadn't even gone through the legal process, and by the way, there's a total ban on that, and nobody knows why, to take a whole country and say, you need to be governed because mm-hmm. Canada is an Islamophobic country. That's the implication in having an Islamophobia czar and calling an Islamophobia summit where 66 recommendations was handed down by none other, the NCCM, and urged that um, Canada take it. The NCCM has also talked about Al-Aqsa Mosque, has raised support for Al-Aqsa Mosque, encouraged Canadians to lobby the government to support the Palestinians and and the the Israeli violation of Al-Aqsa Mosque. It has become an activist organization. And this is the kind of thing that Canadians are paying into. Even this $23 million document, Ikra Khalid came out and said some of the groups that are getting funding from this $23 million to oversee the Trudeau government's um, anti-racism venture. And one of those groups was IRFAN that happened to be um, outlawed as a terrorist entered entity under the Harper government. This is serious stuff. So that group gets money to help gather um, information and consultations, and so does the NCCM. There's no end to what we see happening here. Quebec has stood up against it with some of the rhetoric that, that um, Al-Gawabi has stated in the past about about Quebec, and in fact has, um, it, I think it's on your on your website, Tanya, because we're not going to have time to go through everything that Al-Gawabi has stated, but I think it may be up on your website. So if you go through these things, um, Pierre Poiliev also pointed out her criticism of Quebec. The way she talked about police, the way she talked about Canada, the way she talked about July 1st, it is atrocious. Why do we have an Islamophobia czar in our country? We don't need well, it. Canada is not an Islamophobic nation.
1: No, and, and some of her uh, comments included that. Uh, she said Canada Day celebrations reflect European Judeo-Christian storytelling and should be stopped. I'm sorry. I want her out of office. I'm highly offended by her. Uh, she said the monarchy was one of the most powerful symbols of racial oppression, d- d- regardless queen, of how you actually. feel about yeah. the Queen, right? The monarchy. She said Quebec government is a bully, which legitimizes human rights violations. But it was because they didn't want, uh, this Islamist agenda infiltrating. They were the one of the only ones to, uh, you know, speak up against this. And this, the, the Islamists are very patient and uh, they're very strategic. And they have individuals in place that need to be called out. Uh, you mentioned about the uh, legal act. And like, think about Tom Quiggin. He provided, I think it was 132 pages. Uh, Commissioner Lucky, who I got news today, is uh, retiring. She should have been removed. She should be in jail, actually. Anyways, there was a 132 page report uh, that proved that Trudeau and uh and, and others, Omar al had participated in funding terrorism. And in February, that was 2018, October in 2019, uh, uh, Tom had uh, provided, I think it was 36 uh, further pages, and that was even more condemning. He's being now sued for $2.5 million for bringing this up. And Ikhra Khalid has a background, um, allegedly, I'm, I'm not going to say this, people need to do their research, where her father or others are tied to Muslim Brotherhood. Shouldn't intelligence... Be making sure that they're doing thorough background tra- checks on these people. Shouldn't Trudeau be making sure that if somebody was going to outright uh, diminish our foundation, that they're not fit to be leading? Uh, you know, our our race relations committee in Canada. How can somebody defend our nation and do it lovingly and with respect for all different uh, cultures if she's coming in full bore with uh, you know this position? It's frightening, and, and she as well needs to be removed.
0: Actually, um, that same heritage department that runs the Canadian Race Relations Foundation now, I don't know if um, people who are watching are aware of this, but the Centre for Israel and Jewish Affairs, the biggest Jewish lobby in the country, um, tweeted out that, that, okay, this is what they said, Fija has repeatedly raised the issue of lack of oversight by at Canadian Heritage in monies to groups that promote hate and discrimination. The latest example of government anti-racism funding to to a group called CMAC, its senior consultant is Leith Marouf. This is what Laith Marouf tweeted out. Life, quote here, life is too short for shoes and laces, for entertaining Jewish white supremacists with anything but a bullet to the head, unquote. Okay, this is what he said. He also said, quote, you know, all those loudmouth bags of human feces, a.k.a. the Jewish white supremacists, when we liberate Palestine and they have to go back to where they come from, then we'll return to being low-voiced bees of their Christian secular white supremacist masters. This guy was hired, his company, the company he worked with, by Heritage. And the Heritage Department knew this. In fact, Canada's diversity minister, Ahmed Hussain, Hussain he knew this before this guy was hired. So now they're faced with eggs on their faces and they're trying to get back the money they paid out. But this is the kind of a thing going on in that heritage department. It's disgusting. And they're just getting away with it. It's disgusting. It does not unite Canada. There's no No. diversity because Christians aren't included.
1: How is that diversity?
0: We can't have open discussion. That's not diversity.
1: Well, and if you take a look at what happened, uh, throughout COVID is they were attacking the churches and congregations and shutting them down. And we have one video after another of Muslims going to their mosques. And, you know, to my, to my, my fellow Canadians who are Muslim, you know, you need to step up and be on the front line of this. You, you, you left a country because of this type of oppression and this threat and now you're in a country where we're being threatened with it and and we need you up front here with us because we're being considered uh, racist and intolerant but this is not intolerance in the in the report that I rose the rise of political Islam as well I mean intelligence has actually contacted me and they looked at this report and they confirmed it's true so so this was easily available I found all of the information online when I wrote the report I didn't have the option of recording videos and making 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 sure that, uh, you know, they didn't take them down. Some have been, but we have recordings of mosques in Canada, sorry, not mosques, Islamic schools, teaching the children, small children, and having plays about beheadings. You know, that that Islamic school should be shut down. Uh, The majority of mosques across Canada are reportedly under surveillance because they're terrorist cells. And so the the, um, average Muslim won't go to mosque uh, because they don't want to be associated with that. So there, there is so many problems. Is it Switzerland or Sweden as well? They're finally because th- their problems were far ahead of us. We're catching up easily uh, with the difficulties of the islamization of our nation but i understand that they just shut down two islamic centers because of ties to extremism so other countries that were accepting of this and didn't get get that this was a trojan horse are finally figuring out that they are in a war and they are now fighting to undo it and we're going to need to take some serious steps in canada to do the same Well,
0: we hope so. And and into the multiculturalism issue, multiculturalism can be seen two ways. One, with a large M, where it's enshrined in our constitution. Under the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, we are a multicultural nation with a large M. There's also the small M, where Western nations have all basically become, most of them have become multicultural societies, meaning that you have many cultures within a society, and that's accepted as multicultural, but with a small M. But it it was never meant. Even Pierre Trudeau, who started this out, he was actually asked at a gathering, and that was published way back. Is this what you intended by multiculturalism? Because we'll all remember the way Trudeau dealt with Quebec at the time with the separatists, the days of the FLQ. He was, he united the country during those days with the FLQ. And he wanted to water down, so to speak, what was going on there. That is not the same Quebec, and I repeat, it is not the same Quebec we're seeing today. I'm talking history here. So when he brought up the whole multicultural idea, it was to deal with a Canada that was emerging, English Canada, as much as it was a French Canada, but it also incorporated other cultures. So he decided to um, propose this multicultural act. But eventually he was asked when the troubles in his latter years, when the, the troubles started to surface, is this what you intended? And he said, No, this is not what I intended.
1: Wait, Sunday, however, um...
0: is a different story.
1: Right. And I did a report many years ago, actually, before I got involved in all of this, because I was very concerned about what was happening in my hometown that I was born and raised in. And it was very evident that uh, one ethnic group were, were moving here and they were setting up camp. They're not learning the language. I can't even go to the bank or the grocery store, honestly, and understand the majority of what's being said around me because people don't speak English. And my mom had said when they came to Canada, they had to learn English in the Netherlands before they came here. So they knew. Some and they committed that when they were in public, they would never speak their mother tongue, they would do that at home. And I said, Why did you do that, Mom? And she said, Out of respect, you know, because they were so appreciative to be in Canada. And uh, so I did this report, and it was called Worldwide uh, Multiculturalism is Being Known as a Fail when the host country's values um, and principles are not being embraced. And if we take a look at it as well, isn't it just odd? that the UN is only, only going after Christian Western nations, Australia, New Zealand, the U- UK, Israel. Europe, um, Israel, the US, and Canada. They are not going after the 56 Islamic majority countries. And so to me, I'm like, okay, wake up Canadians. All right. If they're not going after the 56 Islamic majority countries, China, north korea pakistan and demanding that they become multicultural then don't ask me to do it and i love it because um as you and i know we're both women of uh, you know beautiful deep faith in one god the lord jesus christ and god almighty the god of the bible and i'm gonna make that very firm that's what this country is founded on no offense to anybody else or anything else they believe that is hundred percent, our history were founded on Judeo-Christian principles. So, if we, you know, take that, embrace that, our God, He isn't racist. He doesn't care about the color of anybody's skin. He cares about the condition of the heart and mind. And some of my dearest friends, I mean, are are Christian Chinese, are Christian Pakistan, are Christian, you name it. And 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 so the point is, is that. Justin Trudeau with diversity is our strength with all of this race baiting that he's doing. He's a racist. He has brought this into Canada because Mm -hmm. prior to this, I wasn't looking at the color of people's skins. I still don't. I'll tell you something, Tanya. It hasn't changed me.
0: It's very important what you just said about being a racist. There's, There's... The the people that support these globalists, these woke individuals, critical race theory, they are racist because what they want to do and what they aim to do is keep visible minorities down. When you if visible minorities who do not want to be kept down, for instance, even if you look at Aboriginals, 75% do not live on reserves. The majority mm-hmm. of visible minorities don't want what they say. Their lobbies. That claim to represent all of these various groups. I see a lot of people on the ground level at the grassroots level that hate what's going on. They hate critical race theory. They hate woke ideology. But it's presented as though, oh, all of these individuals of these different ethnic backgrounds. It is it is an agenda. And Mm -hmm. for those who don't support that agenda, who support a more conservative type of agenda that that are deemed racist, it's a slap in the face and an insult to visible minorities. We heard this bozo to the south of us, Biden, that said to people, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. That's the kind of mentality that we see now when you look at right and left. You see a partisanship that is disgusting. I mean, you see balanced individuals that are not ideologues, thankfully. But people now, there is no such thing anymore as true race relations, because if you really cared about uniting humanity, you wouldn't be dividing humanity, provoking people. And when they get upset by what they see you doing, you go off and you say, well, see, that's why. And this is what's been happening in articles. One was written by the anti-hate network leader and um, Al-Ghawabi that said, well, I will not even say his name. The reason why. That we need an Islamophobia czar, look at the reaction to her. This is the kind of thing they do. They they cause a disturbance. They they cause upset because it's the upset is not based on justice. It's based on injustice. It's based on their hate. And then they mm-hmm. accuse you of hatred and they call they call they cause division and they turn it all around on you and say, Steve, we put an Islamophobia czar. You're so upset. That's why it's needed. No, that's why it's not needed. It's time for a united Canada where Muslims, Christians, Jews and Hindus, whatever, wherever you come from, whatever race you are, embrace Canada, embrace its history, accept its apologies and move on in peace and in human rights, according to the Constitution, not according to Sharia law or who might be offended.
1: I I, I love it. Yes, I'm in. Total agreement with you, Christine. It has just been so um, offensive to see all of this unroll in the government. I was part of a school board meeting in January and somebody had come on and had a 15 minute presentation because in British Columbia you can only graduate now if you have four credits to indigenous uh learning and it's uh it's a course where you have to learn some of the language and all about the witsuwat's lands and all of this and and so the presentation was done very professionally but they start out by talking about the white supremacists and you know the graves and this and that so once the presentation was done Uh, Anybody that's within the uh, Zoom school board trustee meeting can make a comment. So I raised my hand and they said, yes, Tanya, you know, what's your comment? And I said, well, the presentation was done very well, but I, you know, think that the presenter should be careful with the language that they use because it's offensive. And so they, they muted me. And so I unmuted myself and I said, why are you censoring me? I said, don't offenses go both ways? I said, I'm not a racist, and I'm offended that this individual would make that comment. So they muted me again. I guess they didn't know I could unmute. I unmuted. And I said, why are you censoring me? And I'd already spoken on uh, some an- another issue previously, and they were talking about the UN, and of course UNDRIP, United Nations for de- de- Declaration Rights of Indigenous People, is a complete farce from the UN as part of the UN Agenda 2030 as a means to take away our land, to say we've stolen all this land from the Indigenous people and we need to give it back. And they're working very heavily with the Indigenous chiefs who's taken all this money in and uh, trying to make this happen. And so I just merely made a comment saying, well, this is all part of UNDRIP. And uh, I said that I think that it is reasonable that this individual be careful with the language so that us not to offend people in the future. They cut me out. They took me out of the whole, whole Zoom meeting. And it is so one-sided that even this critical race theory, which like you said, Motion number 103 was connected to paving the pathway for uh, censorship of what Trudeau was wanting to usher into this Canada and Canada as a takeover. It was the baseline for the critical race theory, calling uh, Canadians and these young kids in school saying that if you're white, you know, you're white privilege. And I've had parents so upset with kids that are mixed races, et cetera, and saying, my kids came home today from grade four, nine years old. And all of a sudden the teacher was uh, teaching about critical race theory and their son came home so confused. You know, Johnny's their best friend and they're white and they didn't know how to respond. They are teaching our kids to be intolerant and hate. And I'm very opposed to this. Yes, they are. That is very well said.
0: Yeah, it's heartbreaking. No, I don't know if Rocco was standing by. I was wondering. You <laughs> know or if what? you have any more I... questions, certainly. Yes. Yeah,
1: no, I'm, I'm sad to say that for some reason, very unusually, Rocco has not shown up. Um, our team has sent him several messages, so there must be uh, some reason. Rocco wouldn't show up unless there was a good reason, so my apologies to everybody. Uh, we were really looking forward to his statement about multiculturalism. He was very firm on the fact that individuals that come to Canada must integrate, must assimilate, must learn the language, and must embrace uh, the foundation of this nation. So I can firmly say that. We had a private conversation the day after our show last week, and he said, Tanya, I'm 100% agreement with you. He had to do that when he and his family moved here, and it is a good expectation. So don't let the government tell you otherwise. All right, so I wanted to ask you, um, I know you and I were talking about uh, a couple of things as well. Well, actually, since we're talking about multiculturalism, what what specifically is your defined view on that as well. I know that you've made statements about it, but would you, what would you say is, is is it aligned with what I had just stated?
0: It is perfectly aligned with what you stated. And if you look at the Multicultural Act, it was really meant to celebrate various cultures, but there was supposed to be an equality. Actually, I, I made a note of that as well, because it, it a lot of people just automatically condemn multiculturalism because they say, well, It's based on all cultures being equal. But when you look at what it states, it talks about the Constitution of Canada recognizing the importance of preserving and enhancing the multicultural heritage of Canadians while working to achieve the equality of all Canadians in the economic, social, cultural and political life of Canada. But you see a lot of the problems when we have these kinds of um, these kinds of wording is you get a certain individual that wants to interpret it their way. They come up with, well, all cultures are equal. When you look at the Multicultural Act, it was, it was intended that cultures within the framework of the Constitution celebrate together under the Canadian umbrella. It was never meant to be a culture comes here that has an inconsistent that comes from an inconsistent uh, culture with democracy and then start to dictate what you should and what you shouldn't do in your culture. That is not part of equality one bit. In fact, that puts one culture and one theology above every other culture and every other theology in the country to have. Mm -hmm. And we go back to this Islamophobia representative. Pier, um Justin Trudeau, in essence, what he's doing here is that he has put Islam above every religion. He has put whatever tenets, whatever um, Al-Gawabi, she is the watchdog over Canada now to see who may be saying certain things that may be offensive and considered Islamophobic. In fact, I consider it downright defamation to call me Islamophobic or to refer to me yes. as anti-Muslim, because I am there is no evidence that I'm no. anti-Muslim. I am not anti-Muslim. In fact, I had a lot of pleasure to be part of um, a, a, a special celebration among Muslims, and it was the Canadian Council of Imams that happened to host an event, which specifically was celebrating people who had come out of jail, turned their life around, and became productive members of society. All I saw when I was asked to host that event was individuals contributing positive to Canadian society. It doesn't matter to me where they happen to be from, what their background was, what their religion was. So to come out there as a government and accuse me of being Islamophobic and being anti-Muslim is downright defamation. And this is what we're faced with in Canada. They One one individual that ran over a family, Canada cannot be allowed to be sitting on pins and needles. Every, the millions of people living in this country cannot afford to be sitting on pins and needles wondering who's going to commit a crime against a Muslim family. People commit against Jews, they commit against Christians, they commit against anybody in the country and wondering, oh my goodness, is Canada going to be called Islamophobic because something happened to a Muslim? And would you believe Nathaniel Veltman was mentioned and is now part of the OIC's um, Islamophobia um, report. They do this name, specific, name what I that is. You...
1: Let, let people oh, know okay. what the OIC let's, let's is the and what you're talking about.
0: Yeah. This is the Islam- Islamophobia um, observatory that comes from the Organization of Islamic Cooperation. They've been doing it for a lot of years now, pointing out what they classify as instances of Islamophobia, um, as in offending Muslims, people who hurt Muslims, because that's very much part of of the meaning of Islamophobia, and Nathaniel Veltman is in that report, this one 19-year-old, and it really makes Canada look bad on an international level. If you were sitting overseas somewhere and you're looking at Canada and you're seeing these things that they needed a national Islamophobia summit and an Islamophobia czar, you would think that Canada is is a country that hates Muslims. No. Canada is not a country that hates. Canada is a loving, accepting country. Every country you go, you're gonna find haters and they need to be dealt with. If they break the law, they need to be dealt with. One thing was also recommended by the NCCM in policing that they have hate crimes units in every single police force. There are already hate laws. People that violate hate laws are already breaking the law. And there is one law for all Canadians. We don't need a Sharia law. We don't need an arbiter. We need one Canada, one law, and we need true equality. And we don't need racism against whites in order to um, lift up other um antagonists. And believe me, for those who are watching, it's not these other visible minorities that are causing the trouble. It's it's this it's this leftist um strange, woke, critical race theory kind of agenda that that is actually it, they get paid to do what they do and mm-hmm. what they do is that they they weave they need to keep their jobs so they weave discord in society to say well we're needed to solve the problem canada is a beautiful country if in fact if anything it's over accepting to the point where it's just letting anybody come into the country and people are tolerating it people are tolerating a slap in the face what does that tell you about tolerant canadians Canadians are not Islamophobe, but it has to be resisted.
1: You know, and 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 there's got to be a limit to tolerance, right? And we're experiencing Absolutely. that. Uh, my mechanic is a, a Muslim, and he's just a great guy. And he works. Uh, a Christian owns the mechanic shop, and a and a, a Muslim, and he's the son of the the Muslim, and they have some very debated talks in there. And he took me. We were testing my car one time, and he was like, "Yeah, it was interesting getting a study Bible." So I brought him a study Bible, and we have conversations. Um, my church, I had become aware of a family that had fled Turkey. And they were a Muslim family, the Hussein family. And I brought food to them. I, I helped their children. I brought clothing. I wasn't looking at the color of their skin. I was looking at the need that was there. I eventually had to stop contact with them because the son was bringing a machete to school. I mean, there were real uh, problems having come from the kind of uh, trauma that they'd experienced. And for those individuals just being brought into our country without having to um, assimilate, without having to have counseling. Counseling and treatment, and making sure that they're a good fit for, for Canada. I mean, this this child, multiple um, individuals within the family were a threat. Uh, the girls were undergoing uh, the mutilation, and um, what, what do you call it? Female uh, you know, genital, genital mutilation. Female female, yes. gen, yeah, genital mutilation, and so many different things. And we've got to remember that. This is a minority as well that are also committing a majority of the crimes. And so by implementing these Islamophobia motions, what's happened is Mayor Tory used to go into, I heard from police within the Toronto police that would say he comes in and he's race baiting. He's trying to see how many arrests were from people that were Asian or Pakistani or Muslim and people would get chastised. And so they had a term, I can't remember, it was like drive-by-and-go, where if they saw Muslims that were dealing drugs, they'd continue to drive and wait till they had a call because they were worried about being reprimanded. So how do we have equal laws when you're passing preferential motions? And Terenzu, just on one, one, two last things I want to just show people so they can understand the depth of the problem. One is I want to mention, it was in my report, Brian Peckford who many of you know is the last living signatory of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, confirmed that Section 2A, freedom of religion, was added to the Charter to prohibit... Sorry, my little pup just came in. (laughs) That's fun. Uh, ...was added to prohibit the government from interfering with religion based on, on the Christian God... And so for others to come in and hold to it, we've got the freedom of religion. We want you to be free to practice your faith, but not for it to interfere with the uh, cultural belief systems and the political systems that we have here in Canada. Terenzio, could we just share my screen for just a moment? Sure thing. Let me know when. We're good. Okay. So this is a report that I wrote in 2018 to 19, the rise of political Islam in Canada. And again, it wasn't racist to, uh, you know, write this and bring attention to this matter. And it says right at the get-go that this is not about the moderate Muslim. But as Bridget Gabriel said, in, the video was provided in the U.S., but basically, you know, the moderate Muslim has become irrelevant because wherever Wherever they immigrate to, it's the radical political Islamists who have the power and the money and the time to bring the destruction. And so we've got to be very, very careful. So part one shows about the government's role in allowing uh, the Islamization of our nation. Trudeau time and time again says that, uh, you know, Islam will never, uh, sorry, that um, we're compatible. Throughout history, Islam... And Western civilization have not been compatible. There are Imams who are proclaiming that and agreeing with it. I provide the information of the explanatory memorandum and a whole lot of other information of, uh, about where this situation at and how long uh, they've been working at and infiltrating. Now, sorry, I know that's probably crazy on your eyes. So part two is the consequences of Islam in Canada. And I haven't had time to oversee this report, but you'll see from 2019, I would just merely... Uh, get reports from people from across Canada and uh, serious shooting. These are all uh, related to Islamists, right? And the offenses, stabbings, uh, rapes of elderly women, drug dealers, uh, you know, and it just seems horrible to point this out. And Ken um, Hardy, I was trying to say to him, look, you're post- po- posting Motion M103. This is going to be giving special preferential treatment to a minority that we need to be ha- giving assistance to on how to integrate into a society that is run on democracy. They're coming from trauma into a country that's run on democracy. And because they come here, many of them, especially crossing the borders right now, aren't educated And so they fall into uh, drug dealing, whatever is easy. They've got to make a living. They've got to survive. But they also come with a very different mindset than we have in Canada, starting from uh, young people, learning in our education system to respect people, to love people, to not be racist. These are all reports. And when you consider that they are a minority, this is just a fraction because I couldn't get the reports from the, um, I'll just stop sharing screen now, Terenzio. It, it keeps going and going on. And then it goes into Islamic centers and schools and um, uh, mosques and the teachings of what they're doing within the mosque in Canada. Teaching uh, young students, it was in Victoria, and a mom, teaching students that to wish people Merry Christmas in Canada was worse than rape or murder. Don't we have a reason to be concerned about this and shut it down if this is going on in Canada? I think we do. And I think we need to wake up and be aware of what's happening.
0: Information is being shut down, Tanya. That's the problem that we have. And I'd be really curious to know whether you've heard, Tanya, because you might have, or anybody perhaps watching, that right after this Nathaniel Veltman did this horrific act and, and these four members of the Muslim family were run down, Less than a month afterward, and that was just before the Islamophobia summit, there was a horrible case of a Toronto police officer, Jeffrey Northrop, and this happened on July second, two thousand and twenty-one. Less than a month after this other case and before the Islamophobia um, emergency summit, this police officer was run down and murdered by Umar exactly. Zamir, and by Umar Zamir. In, in what was actually called um, by police an intentional and deliberate act. All follow-up was ignored because the court ended up imposing, and nobody knows why, a total information ban ahead of the Islamophobia summit. And the evidence continued in this case to be completely covered up by a publication ban. So why is that happening? We look at, you, you know, I'm listening to you talking, Tanya. I was watching some of your presentation before the um, before eight o'clock came about. And it's not easy anymore to find real information because information is not getting reported. And this is dangerous for anybody watching. Without knowledge, you don't have power. You don't know where to fight. You don't know where the enemies are. You're being called Come Islamophobic just for asking questions. This is a major problem we face. And because we wanna know more and we're being shut down, and even the mainstream media, a lot of them are just shutting out information until you happen to find it in some little tiny space. And you have to read a lot of different sources, not just headlines, but you really have to dig to find out information because you're not getting it. The media has become activists and you're not getting information and this is dangerous.
1: Well, and the uh, police stations as well. They're being told that uh, when serious crimes took place, immediately they would ban giving the race or the nationality of who committed the murder or the crime. And you know what I'd like to talk about for a minute? And I'm going to ask if anybody has questions. Um, it looks like Rocco definitely isn't going to make it on. Uh, please put it in the Q&A or raise your hand and, and we have a bit of time to um, go through some Q&A with Christine, but let's talk about for a moment when motion M103 prior to the vote, I mean, Russ Cooper, he's a retired major. He was going to present as a witness uh, at the Senate. They tried to ban him. This man fought for our country who he understood the threat of passing this motion. We had uh, Valerie Price from ACT for Canada. She's also one of my directors, a wonderful lady, who was fighting like crazy to bring awareness of what this would open the door to in Canada. So I mentioned earlier that Ken Hardy, my Liberal MP, had said that he would be absent for the vote. Well, guess what? Six uh, Muslims were shot in a mosque in uh, was it Quebec, right? And all of a sudden, he sends me an email saying, based on this, I'm going to vote in favor, and I would imagine my friends across the aisle would as well. Well, the majority of us who were fighting this thought that it was very interesting that an extremist mosque was upset with this, mos- this mosque that was uh, more moderate, and uh, they felt that they were a hindrance to advancing the Islamic agenda in Canada, there had been uh, car explosions and things like this in advance of this shooting. Uh, two people were arrested. One was uh, Alex, uh, Alexander, I can't remember his name right now, and, and he was a Caucasian, and in a, a Muslim young man was arrested. People gave witness that there was multiple shootings like multiple guns, and the the Muslim young man was released this is this was what was reported and yet uh this alexander Vonit i'm sorry, I can't remember his name yes. right now, so forgive me and uh so name? anyways. They arrested him. It was all about him. He was a Trump lover and supporter. uh, And there was much concerns uh, of what they had investigated and what unfolded and what they found in his home. Well, it was supposed to go to trial. And all of a sudden, uh, in March, I want to say, I I thought it was 2021. And thank you, uh, Doris. I see that. Uh, Yeah. uh, Alexander Boisnau. There was no trial. Nobody could participate. There's never been any word. What happened? Was this, was this staged in order to advance this vote? It is a horrendous thing to think about, but it was very strategic if you consider what was at cost if it didn't get passed because this was a very incremental and st- strategic step to get a foothold in Canada and look at the incremental steps they've taken. I would be, it's horrifying to think, but when you've got people strapping bombs to themselves and uh, killing mass amounts of people how far will they go can we get the reports can we get to the bottom of this what did the police find out about this there was no trial so nobody could ever have anything confirmed and the one thing I want to remind you of there was a Stein what's her name Uh, a woman by the name of Stein uh, um, you, you know her she was at an event that I was at in Ontario with you do you do you Are remember you the lady Goldie. that interrupted? Nope. Oh, no, the woman tra- that. In...
0: Um, what event? I'm trying to. The place. one
1: where I met where I met you in Ontario. The, oh, the... you're talking. Oh,
0: her. You're talking about the lady that totally interrupted the event. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. This is What's, Jasmine Zine.
1: Jasmine um, Zine. I'll tell okay. you. Yeah. So the one thing I, I want, yeah, you can, we can tell that, but just so other people understand about Bill C-11. So way prior to Bill C-11, mm-hmm. I don't think it was the same bill. They have to table every time there's a new election. So they've been going after this censorship ban for a lot, long time. And many of you may have heard that there was a mosque shooting also in New Zealand. And it gave uh, the New New Zealand government, they were just trying to ban guns. So all of a sudden they put this ban on guns. The whole thing was very suspicious, the shooting. But again, uh, it was reported that Muslims were murdered. They put a ban on the story in New Zealand. And so how it affected Canada uh, was that at one of the committee meetings addressing the censorship bill, This woman, uh, I believe she was present, another Islamic activist, I can't remember his name. For some reason, I thought Bernie Farber from the Canadian Anti-Hate Network was there. There was LGBTQ activists as well attending, all supporting this censorship ban. One of the conservative lawyers, he's an MP, he had wanted to speak about what had happened in New Zealand, and they shut him down because there was evidence that needed to be presented on the risks associated with censorship in relationship to this. They ended up shutting down the committee meeting. They removed this conservative MP who had every right and reason to be bringing up the concerns related to censorship and this um, action that had taken place in New Zealand. They removed him from the room. They demanded that he apologize and they deleted, they struck, edited out all of his statements. So they've censored history in the debate on this issue. And they kept pressing forward with every reelection and tabling this bill time and time again until B- Bill C-11 has now uh, been pushed through. But I've got to remind you all what I started with. Section 52.1 says that if it is in violation of the Supreme Rule of Law of Canada and the Constitution, it's of no force or effect. So even though they push through Bill C-11, I can't be censored constitutionally. And I won't be. I will not not talk about this issue because this is a security risk to our nation. And everybody who's immigrated here, fleeing all of this, has a right to live safely in Canada. And our government is committing treasonous acts by allowing this to happen.
0: We don't even have a press anymore that's doing its job. I mean, why was Jeffrey Northrop, who was murdered in cold blood by... Umar Zamir, why why is that being covered up? Why is there a total ban on information? Why was there a total ban on information with Nathaniel Veldman? Right here we're seeing it under our nose. Canada also um, implemented a a few years back a a secret visa program and the, the, the problem with this particular program was the article that ran it, I believe it was Global yes, it was Global that ran that is that war criminals and basically anybody would come in and the question was why are these high ranking individuals who were um highlighted in in that particular article why were they allowed to be coming into the country when they tried to get a freedom of information more about this secret visa program they were down well it's a national security issue you don't have a right to know so we're getting total publication bans. We have this secret visa program. Um, reporters out there and various news agencies aren't telling you the whole story. We don't know what the rate of crime is. We have certain groups. We know that Black Lives Matter was a very powerful group. And the whole mission of that particular group, and in my opinion, that certainly doesn't rep- represent the, the entire Black community, yet they proclaimed to do so. And in doing so, they they gave the impression that police are just out to murder Blacks. And there was absolutely no stats um, that people make available as to, well, how many whites get killed by police? Well, how many Blacks are killing Blacks? Well, how many Blacks are committing crimes Um, in in regular cities? What are these statistics showing? So we have one voice, one side, telling us what to say, telling us what to believe, proving to us all kinds of information that they say is so without any real proof, while the other side, which is our side, that really wants to know what is happening. What are the stats really looking like? What is the real threat out there? And we would like to see a united Canada and one that brings in quality immigrants canada is based on immigration people came here they worked hard and various communities around the world to make canada the place it became but now we see this open door immigration we don't know what we're exporting in we really don't know what the crimes are like because nobody's telling us who's committing them and we're not getting any stats so when you have a media that's not informing you it becomes in essence state media and that is a frightening thought we need prayer in this land like never before.
1: 100 percent. That's why I say I'm going to put a plug. Everybody join an Action for Canada chapter. We are building communities within communities of like-minded people who can take back our school boards and our townships and uh, our uh, mayors and trustees, I'm sorry, mayors and city councils. and it's up to us to get involved, and we need to care about the values. Uh, when people are running for office, we need to be truly very involved moving forward. We need to raise up elected officials within our communities, and we need to support them to a win. So don't sit there feeling helpless. What can we do relying on all of us doing the work? You have to get busy. You have to get involved. You have to join an Action for Canada chapter. You have to show up at every school board meeting. You have to have a team showing up at every city council meeting because that's where you're going to affect change. The UN knows it, and you need to know it too. And you do, because I tell you every week. So you need to get involved. Okay, Terenzio, let's go to, I know, a couple of hands up. Uh, Let's go to a couple of questions. Sounds good. All right. First one we have is Catherine. Catherine. Hi, Catherine. You should see a message pop up on your screen to unmute. Sometimes we have difficulties with people being um, unable to unmute. So we're giving Catherine a moment. Make sure that you have your Zoom up to date, because often that's the problem if you can't unmute. Okay, Terenzu, it looks like Catherine's having a difficult time. Oh, Oh, wait, 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 she just did. Here you are. Hi. (laughs) Sorry about that. Hi, how are you? Good. Um, What's your question? Well, you may have already answered it, actually, but uh, my
0: question was, what can we do about this, about the 11, about uh, 103? What what can we do to to reverse this, to address this, to to, to fight it? You have to call up your MPs. There's no other way. Um, The squeaky wheel gets the grease. And we need to remember that. You'll notice that Come, in fact, there's a very important question related to that that I'll get to, but this is in essence what I'm saying. You'll notice that whenever elections come around, it becomes the number of votes you can get. If people let their voices be heard, the MPs have no choice but to listen. It's very important that everybody get involved because Tanya mentioned something very important early on, and that is that you've got a lot of very patient enemies of our democracy, they work overtime, they watch, and they are insidious. And for them, it doesn't happen overnight. They're well-researched, they watch. We need to take authority as a nation, take interest in our nation, arm ourselves with information, because information and knowledge is power. Pray like crazy and start calling up MPs whenever you don't like what you see going on in this country to divide us. Because if they don't hear from you, they're going to think that Canada doesn't care. If they're only hearing from people who approve of these ridiculous measures that are tearing our country apart, they're going to think everything is okay. For the likes of, uh, of, of what happened there with this Islamophobia summit, I could never figure out why every politician agreed to an emergency Islamophobia summit because of the emotions attached. The emotions attached should have been, what is good for all of Canada? Four Canadians got killed. Yes, this man may very well be anti-Muslim, and he will be dealt with to the full extent of the law, but this should have been emotional enough to say, we in the middle of this tragedy, we need to unite. We need to fight all forms of discrimination. I mean all, not give one group preference over another. I am ashamed of those politicians who went along with this. And and now some of these same politicians are upset that there is an Islamophobia czar, but they were right there building it as it came along we need to take stock. And somebody asked a very important question, which does relate to the lady that just asked, what can we do? This is also a very important question I noticed here, where um, someone, someone's asking here, am I allowed Tanya to say who's asking the questions if their name is up or should I stay? Okay. Yes, okay, so Henry Lloyd is asking, um, what do you do when elections come along and the ones running for MP have closed door meetings with Muslims? This shows how deep this is gone. In the first place, all MPs, they are public servants. I know that MPs have meetings with various groups, with, whether it be Christian groups, whether it be Hindu groups, Muslim groups. But when there's a concern with a with country, because I know there has been a problem in the past, and with, with certain MPs and certain heads of government having closed-door meetings and making promises with special interest groups, that are intimidating to them. This is wrong. As a politician and a public servant to all Canadians, why are you allowing a few people to intimidate you? This is not what Canada wants, despite whatever the media might be telling you. This is the reason why we've been stuck under this dark cloud of wokeism for so long because Canada is a divided country and the grassroots of conservatism is just, it's tired of the constant compromise and politicians not even listening to us. This is why we need to be calling MPs and letting our voices be heard, including if you happen to be meeting with Muslims or you happen to be meeting with whatever group, Please meet with the heart of all Canadians, not just with a special interest group. This is very important to bear in mind as a politician and a public servant. There's no fear in that. There is fear in offending Muslims today, and that fear needs to go away because that fear is part of what governs Sharia State. Cast fear into the hearts of disbelievers strike them at the neck and fingertips, and this is in the Quran. We do not need that kind of fear governing Canada in any shape or form.
1: Right, yeah, thank you, uh, Christine, for that as well. I mean, uh, you were talking about the law and, um, you know, that um, even in in response to the offense that that had taken place, it doesn't matter if they're Muslim or if they're Chinese or uh, Caucasian white Canadian, Everyone needs to be treated equal under the law, but the media are elevating certain events in order to um, advance another agenda. And that's the sad part about this. They are taking the deaths of individuals and they are exploiting that, again, for their own gain. The other part of it, uh, as far as election, elected officials are concerned, one of the first things when I got started with this seven and a half years ago is a conservative said to me, we don't hear from conservatives, And so that's where I set out on to give the silent majority a voice and I make it as easy as possible as I can for you. I mean, I draft letters for you to copy and paste and I say you need to uh, be involved. You need to make the phone calls. And I'm just going to quickly give you a um, perfect example of what we can do when that happens is that we can change the direction because the, the unfortunately these dirty dog MPs who are running some of them are you know, individuals of great integrity, but the most of them, they go where the votes are, regardless of what they're giving up for this nation. Regardless, tell me how many Conservative MPs stood up against all of the COVID garbage, the fraud, as we were telling them from almost day one, this is a fraud, don't support it. How many of them sat back, including all of the ones that ran as elected officials or to be head of the Conservative Party? They all sat back and did nothing. And they let hundreds of thousands of businesses closed permanently. They allowed the abuse of our elderly in the care homes, et cetera, et cetera. It was disgusting display. So they went because they were too afraid to stand up against the narrative. So let's talk about the LGBTQ, right? And at first I've been at this, this particular topic, six and a half years, and they would not take a stand on it. But guess what? Because of the work of a few of us standing on the front line, taking the criticism and the hit we brought, continue to take the truth out there and pump it. Didn't matter to me what criticism or hit Canadian anti-hate network calls me a racist and a bigot and all the rest of it. I don't care because you know what? This is uh, individuals who are working against Canadians. Why would I care what they have to say? I'm speaking the truth. And And they're paid by Canadians to do it. And they're paid by the government to do this. They're government funded. Although they said recently that they're in a, they were calling on black shirt, defenders to come out to drag queen events uh you know which is black uh black shirt defenders i would imagine is antifa and yet they uh, profess to be you know uh, love is love and all of that and and it's uh you just all need to be aware of who these individuals are so anyways i've been going to uh meet with school board superintendents and it's like actually talking to people who are in a cult and you're trying to bring reality to them to pull them out And after a half hour conversation with one and an hour and a half conversation with the other, their eyes were beginning to open because they were believing what the government was saying. Now we're applying the kind of pressure that, you know, is starting to turn and get them to question the position that they're taking. And it's coming down to liability. But one other beautiful example I'm going to give you. It's all new to me. I had met uh, Maxime Bernier in 2018 at one of his first uh, meet and greets. I talked to him about some of the issues that were important to me, and he said, come and meet me. So I said, okay. Well, I flew to uh, Ottawa for the first time, and I went and met with him, and we spoke for 45 minutes. I spoke to him about the rise of political Islam, about the LGBTQ, about our military being defunded, about abortion. And about the, uh, like I said, the LGBTQ. And um, I gave him all reports for this. I was so nervous, but I thought, I'm just going to go there and I'm going to do this. And we had a fantastic conversation. I didn't know if I'd made any difference. You know what happened? A year and a half later, I'd always seen him at different events and pressed in on him, you know, about uh, certain issues that were really, really important to the freedom of this nation. And he came to me, I think it was a year or in 2021, April of 2021, I believe it was. And he said, I just want to thank you. And I was shocked. I hardly ever saw him. And I said, for what? And he says, I was so focused on finances that I really had no idea about these other events. He had voted in favor of uh, gay marriage. He had voted in favor of bill C 16, the bathroom bill, but he thought that he was doing a good thing. And a lot of our elected officials are not bothering to do the homework. And that's where we come in. We go in with kindness. We go in with force of kindness And we educate them. You are asking, what do we do to turn this around? You get in there, you start having conversations with them, you know about, let them know about their liability and the laws that they are um, in violation of and the people they are offending. We are the majority. So let's step up step up and do that and and we can 100% I believe that we can turn all this around. Okay, Christina I Christine I know that it's a couple of hours ahead there. Do you have one time for one or two more questions and then we'll wrap this I up? I do,
0: but but Tanya there's something I'm I, it's just burning me. I have to say it because it, it, it's about children. It's about children. <laughs> I have a real soft spot for children. I'm really happy that you brought out that people think they're doing good and they honestly Mm -hmm. believe they're doing good because they've been indoctrinated to think they're doing good. For instance, you're accepting of the trans agenda. You're helping people rather than hurting people. Well, well, we should be, especially if you're, well, if you're a Christian, it talks specifically about Jesus being the prince of peace, loving one Mm -hmm. another as I've loved you. And we know what this is. You don't mistreat people. We live in a country that looks after people's human rights, that respects whatever choice they have. We don't we don't we don't kill gays like like a lot of like it, that's actually enshrined under the sharia in Islamic countries. We don't do that here. But there's something I want to say about children. When you as an individual care about people's rights, also remember the other rights that you may be violating and you don't know. And I'll give you an example about children that face something that I think is absolutely atrocious. And I can't imagine my kids facing that when they were young, but this is the plight of children today. An incident happened in Calgary. The same thing happened in Saskatoon where little girls were at pools, swimming pools, and they were in the change room to see a full, fully naked male right in front of them because he identifies as a female. When the mothers went to complain that look, my, my little girl saw this guy in the buff in the, in the girl's change room and it, we're talking little kids here. The answer they got, well, they're protected by human rights. This is a trans. So that, what about the rights of that little girl? How is that mother to explain to that little girl asking questions afterward? And then another case that happened in, in BC, There was a trans individual that was also at a swimming pool and he was peeking under the changing stalls of little girls. So we live in an era today and there are cases on record where women are being attacked, where they're being assaulted in women's prisons. And there was a case in the UK where a woman in an all female ward in the hospital was raped by a male that identified as a woman and the hospital covered it up and said, no, we didn't have any males here. We only had females. People's rights are being trampled. Little children are no longer safe. And the big question is what are we doing about it for the mm-hmm. sake of the children? Yes, if somebody's an adult, they want to identify however they want to identify, but they have no right to force it down the throats of Christians who believe otherwise. And for goodness sakes, why would any adult? want to expose themselves in front of little children. The right. children are no longer safe in our society. I had to get that off my mind with the children. Watch out for your children.
1: Right, Christine, and, and we've been on the front line of that battle. We are not shy about calling out the uh, radical LGBTQ sex activists and the trans activists. Uh, they have no business being in our schools. I've told them previously to get in their own lane leave our kids alone, and they'll have no problem. But this is this is about uh, more of a, as a, from a Christian perspective, this is a, a demonic uh, presence that we opened the door up to years ago when we pulled God out of our schools, we pulled God out of our government, and we've, we've got to uh, admit we've made a mistake and people got to get on a knee and repent. And we got to bring prayer back into schools, Christian prayer. And uh, if people don't like that, I'm sorry, but that's uh, this is a Christian nation. We used to have uh, prayer in schools, and we need to bring that back and uh, I just think the uh, kids that were brought up under Christian principles as well it proved to bring up very, he- very healthy well-rounded uh, children but there is a spirit of offense in this nation there's probably some people that have been offended by what I just said and that's okay <laughs> you live in a free nation you have uh, the freedom of thought so do I I have the freedom of speech and I've used it it's my platform I can do that and but I have respect that you don't agree with me I won't try to shut you down for not agreeing with me. But when it comes to the, I want all of you to be very aware, there was absolutely no reason, and it's in violation of the Constitution, to have included gender identity and gender uh, expression as a, collected, uh, as, a, sorry, as a protected class. Because it already said under the Constitution and the Charter that we're all equal under the law. When they implemented that into the Human Rights Act and amended it, We are no longer equal and they're getting special privilege. It was the door to which all the rest of this was going to come so they could holler at you. And so school administrators and ministers of education could say, I'm not taking that uh, school learning resource out because it is in line with the Amendment to the Human Rights Code. The Amendment to the Human Rights Code merely says that if you identify as a the, they, their, whatever, fill your boots, that you can't be discriminated against. It does not, however, it is not a green light or an open door for you to come into our schools and sexualize our children. It is not an open door for you to break the criminal code and uh, um, teach kids about masturbation, groom them, sexually exploit them, and provide them pornography and explicit material. This is just with a period behind it. So we're going to extract you from our school systems. We're going to be taking these learning resources out. The reason that uh, Global News and CTV and CBC are all uh, victimizing the LGBTQ community right now is because they're losing ground because they went way too far. And now the majority of Canadians are waking up and they agree. This is not about the gay and lesbian community. Their platform's been sabotaged. These are about sex activists that are coming after our children and turning society upside down and societal norms, breaking down the family, and we're at war, and we have every reason to be on the front line of this, and saying, we will not tolerate this. We'll not tolerate this. All right, so that was my little time on the soapbox as well. We've both had one now on this issue. We're mama bears, and we want to protect our children, (laughs) right? So, okay, I think on that, uh, Trenzio, let's have one last question, and then we'll wrap this show up. Sounds good. Next question is from Janice. Okay, Janice, can you un- unmute? All right, looks like we might have to go to the next. Uh, next question okay. is from Juta. Hi, can you unmute? All right, that's okay. Maybe we won't go to verbal questions. I think we've answered... What was in, I know there was a question about what happened in Germany, and yes, that actually happened. Um, What happened, uh, what was that in 2020, Christine, when they opened the doors to flood the UK and uh, Europe with uh, illegal migrants that were coming out of Islamic nations? And it was healthy young men, thousands, hundreds of thousands of them flooded into Europe. And we were all trying to ring the warning bells, but they had all been conditioned in the psychological warfare to hand them bottles of water with big welcome signs women were there welcoming welcoming them into their country and it's, uh, it's a mess yep
0: it's still and happening it, through the english right. panel mm-hmm.
1: okay and so hungary was the only country victor orban love him he was the only country that said absolutely not These people will never integrate and assimilate. And this is a Christian nation. We are not permitting these immigrants and migrants to come in because it was with the intention of 2030 to destroy the borders and have completely open borders and destroy their Christian democracy, their Christian foundation. So now what we've got is mosques being set up. We've got no ghost zones because the um, uh, crime is so bad. And I think it was in the first New Year's that all of these migrants had flooded. It was something like hundreds or a hundred girls had all been raped on New Year's Eve by the migrants. And that Horrendous was in Germany. stories. Germany. It, yep.
0: The number has soared. The number has soared. Um, mm-hmm. This whole Muslim rape gangs. And you remember the, the, the incident that happened, this awful treatment of Tommy Robinson in the UK who was looking out for these girls that more needed to be done. To protect girls. Limitless. I mean, we don't even know what those numbers are. Some say up to a million, believe it or not, of being groomed. And it wasn't just UK girls. um, They were calling them the worst names. It was also Sikh girls that they were after as well. That came out later. And then the Sikh community spoke out against it. So this is something that has been going on it has a lower profile now but the English channel is still open tens of thousands are still flowing in right now Brits are paying over 80 million dollars what um every uh, every week every maybe more than that because to put them up in posh hotels um weddings at at very at the highest level posh hotels you could imagine in in Britain are being were shut down last summer because they they were full of these migrants and this is going on now where the hotel is cramped. There's nowhere to keep them. It's costing tens of millions of dollars to the UK and they right. keep on saying, okay, we're going to do something about it, but nothing is being done. So no. this open border thing, it's going on across the board all through Europe and also in the UK.
1: And right here in Canada with Roxham Road, yeah, uh, with Roxham Road. we have we That's have right. no idea who's made it into our country. Tell me where how people can follow you. How oh, can they keep can in touch to with you? go to
0: jihadwatch.org and also, um, Front Page Magazine is a very good site to read as well because they have a lot of information about the culture war because that is that all goes under the umbrella of the, the David Horowitz Freedom Center. So I'm an editor with Front Page Magazine and I write regularly for jihadwatch.org. But Jihad Watch, is also, it also has another branch now, which is called the left column because there has always been this discussion that most of you probably heard of called the red-green axis, how the far left works with the Islamists to create, uh, well, we see the big problem happening today between the woke on one hand and Muslim Brotherhood influences and others on the other hand. So it's now expanded into the left column as well as Jihad Watch. So jihadwatch.org is the main site where you'll also find the left column and my writings in a file there as well as the others.
1: Perfect, and Terenzio, thanks for bringing it up. Could you actually bring up both of uh, Christine's books? And Christine, could you tell us a little bit uh, about each of your books?
0: the book of the challenge of modernizing islam a lot of people say oh it can't be modernized but the thing is my premise and it it's a very complex book but i'll make it really short if you look for instance at the old testament okay and all the wars that happened all the the violence when when the lord when god commanded to, um, to, to kill people for certain sins, for adultery and so forth. You don't see anybody doing that today. You don't see that. You don't see the one Jewish state of Israel doing anything like that. It is a model of human rights, although uh, despite the global gang up. So to say that people can't modernize, I think is is wrong. There are Muslims on the inside. We looked at what happened with the Ottoman Empire. It fell. Why did it fall? There were a lot of young Turks that were working with Christians and Jews on the inside, and eventually the Ottoman Empire fell. There were people that didn't predict that the Soviet Union will fall, and a lot of it also had to do with Christians on the inside. That too fell. In Egypt in particular, that is where you find reformists. Don't be fooled, there are a lot of moderates, even the entire Ahmadiyya sect, it's a peaceful sect, four million in Pakistan alone. There's a very big difference between a Muslim that wants to live peaceful, and a reformist that understands, first of all, there is something in need of reform. If you're going to deny what's in the Quran, what's in the Hadiths, you're not a reformist. You may be a moderate, yes, but you're not a reformist. A reformist wants to see change within that religion to say, let's put these in the antiquated files and let's move on. They're the ones that are challenging the government. We see it happening in Iran, but those are reformists. Those are just very angry people, and they have every reason to be. But reformists also challenge the status quo, and we need the status quo challenged in Saudi Arabia, in Iran, in Egypt. One of my favorite reformists, Dr. Sheikh Subi Mansour, he was the founder of the Quranist sect in Egypt. And unfortunately, a lot of his, his folks, um, he worked at Al-Azhar University. A lot of the people that supported his sect died. They were murdered. They were imprisoned, and he was eventually exiled under Mubarak. So this is the plight of reformists that want to see change. The biggest important point that reformists, there's something called the Al-Musliya website. Many of you might have heard of Patrick Subdeo. He co-authored a book called Reforming Islam, and they highlight, highlighted what the information from this Al-Musliya website. And the biggest message that needs to be understood is It begins with the desanctification of Islam. Muslims need to learn how to take insults in order to reform. Otherwise, they will remain how they are. So for people who uphold this offense to Muslims, we can't offend them. You're actually you're 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 standing with the with what Subi Mansour calls the soldiers of dictatorship. You're not helping the true reformists of the world, and you're actually causing further oppression in these types of countries that are challenging mm-hmm. this. This disgusting um, right. everything is offense. It needs to be desanctified, and that is the message from the genuine Egyptian top reformists, the Islamic scholars of Egypt, and that is the group that I admire because they're doing the genuine work. And there are a, few, yeah, there are think- a couple in the book that I think are really sincere about reform.
1: Yeah, thank you for clarifying that, uh, the difference between the reformists and those uh, who are genuine moderates and that they, yeah, and and the steps that need to be taken to see the difference. And, you know, for all of our Muslim friends throughout Canada, you know, you are only, um, you're feeding into the oppression in Canada, what's coming in if you don't get on the front line and, and speak up. And and help us out. <laughs> so we want a free Canada. We want to exist together in peace and harmony. And uh, we definitely need to address this issue and not be forced into censorship. So your first, uh, sorry, your other book, fired by the Canadian government for criticizing Islam. Woo! <laughs> it, yes, what a journey it tells you've been my on. story. And
0: Rebel Media revealed, I was fired in 2017, Rebel revealed through a Freedom of Information in 2019 that a memorandum ran around in the Heritage Department, Minister's Office Emergency, Christine Douglas Williams, will you call me please? And in that memo memo was a, a command to investigate all my speeches and all my writings, because they were looking for material to fire me. And when I finally was delivered, hand-delivered, a registered uh, mail from Melanie Jolie, when you look at the list of accusations that's in that book, and I stand by them, I stand by what she accuses me from, and that certainly is not Islamophobia. It is calling out a genuine problem that needs open discussion. So by her own words, she condemns herself, and this whole um, protectionist movement that is actually against genuine reform, and they're supporting... The, the stealth and the, and the jihad that we see that restricts, that is so terribly restrictive under the Sharia. We don't want that here. We don't want anything that resembles it in Canada.
1: No, and I, and I mean, I can just imagine, I'm, I'm grateful you brought up the rebel news because of them doing that freedom of information. And, you know, shame on Melanie Jolie. I mean, so many steps that the liberals have been involved into the destruction of our nation. And, uh, you know, you were an absolute... Jim, to be on the race relations committee and part of your position, I understand, was to uh, stand up for human rights. And that's exactly what you were doing. They just didn't like who you were calling out as the uh, as the offenders, which led to your dismissal. Absolutely. Well put. Yes. Wow, what a journey you've been on. Uh, A lot of people uh, associated with Action for Canada, we've never had an opportunity uh, since COVID had hit to bring up the subject of immigration, multiculturalism, and the Islamization of our nation. And when I was writing the report this last weekend and throughout last week preparing and the conversations that you and I had, I had mentioned to you, I'm, I'm just wondering, will people uh, reject this like they did at first when I spoke about uh, COVID? I had about, back then I only had about 55,000 people on my email list. And so when I shifted uh, to the COVID very quickly to say, ah, it's just a fraud and it's all, you know, part of them wanting to... To overturn our democracy, people wrote me and said, "I because I said, you know what, open open up the businesses, get people back to work, get out there and rally and oppose this. That was about April or May of 2020. And people said, you know, wrote and said, I hope you get COVID. And I hope you die. And I hope you get your family gets COVID. And I thought, that's okay. You know what, uh, they're blinded by what the government is doing. And so then when I started as well, now I've got this huge chunk of new list of uh, members email list of people that got to know me through COVID and didn't know about the issues that I used to speak about. And they condemned me, saying, you need to take down this, uh, you know, from your web page. This is about COVID, not about abortion. This isn't about the LGBTQ. You're hateful. And I just stood the time, and I thought, eventually, they're going to understand. You're right. It's not about the gay and lesbian community. It's about sexualizing our children. And then it was, you know, I'm a racist because I had this page up about uh, radical political Islam. And I thought, that's okay. I won't take it down. They're going to learn that this is a threat to our nation it's about the sa- safety and security of every canadian that you know i'm on the front line of calling this out not as front line as you but <laughs> you know definitely trying to um have broad awareness and so i wasn't sure how people on our email list would be affected by this and we had maybe one letter uh one letter of opposition right. And you know why I'm telling everybody this is because this was a barometer for where Canadians are at in buying into what the government is doing, into buying in that you're racist, into buying in that you got to love and be tolerant of absolutely everybody. Um, in the funny video at the beginning, they're not funny. It's a parody, but it's very serious. But they talked about, um, what was it? A L O, adult love of adolescence. Uh, you know, I'm not okay with that. And thank God people hung with me. And they uh, began to be educated on what I'm really the issue is and what I'm talking about. And so I'm very grateful to everybody that your ears were ready to be opened and your minds and that this is just a great indication to me. And I hope it gives you hope that we do have an opportunity to turn this around because Canadians are finally willing to see and hear what's going on.
0: I believe so. The best thing politicians can do that are on, our, on the conservative side is be true to the history of Canada and be true to your own heart. If you don't have hate in your heart, you have nothing to fear. If you have love in your heart for humanity, for the unity of Canada, that's all you need to let shine. You don't need to be bashing anybody. Just let that unity shine. Speak on behalf of all Canadians and stop giving one preference at the expense of another. That is just plain wrong. And Canadians, I think, have had it.
1: Mm -hmm. Amen to that. Amen to that. Uh, Equal rights for all, equal human rights, and, you know, to love our neighbours as ourselves. and and let's get back to a civil society again.
0: Absolutely.
1: Well, Christine, it's been a blessing. (laughs) It's been such a blessing having you on the show. Do you have any closing words?
0: I don't. I I think we covered just about all of it. Okay, <laughs> of I did on on talking about today.
1: <laughs> yeah, I didn't want you to leave and go. Oh, I didn't get a chance to talk about that. And, oh, we can uh, you go know, on forever.
0: And, if you go to watch, you'll see why. <laughs> You'll see
1: why. <laughs> yeah, I'm great. Well, you're gonna have a whole lot more followers. We'll be uploading this video in within months it could be 70,000 views as well. So I'm a lot I'm of just... blessings
0: for what you're doing. You're a real you too. woman of valor and I, I tip my hat to you.
1: <laughs> well, you're a courageous woman standing on the front lines, uh, Christina. It's been an honor having you on the show. Thank you.
0: My privilege. Bye bye.
1: Bye and blessings to everyone. Thank you. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, like I say, I didn't know how this uh, talk was going to go tonight. Uh, We really are uh, an organization that loves Canadians enough to speak the truth, even when it's hard to do. All right, Trenzio, can you bring up the image for next week? We're going to have our friend David Lindsay coming on the show again. If all things work out, I never told you all. I am supposed to go and speak at a conference uh, in Kelowna and it got censored today. And so we're looking to have another event, uh, apparently a little squawk mob of the LGBTQ, you know, the ones that are just uh, so tolerant themselves and so loving and that they love this country and they permit everybody the same equal rights as then. This is what we were saying about preferential treatment. And so they made a couple of complaints and uh, got this... um, Shut down. And I was coming to love on parents and the community to let them know about what's going on in our school system and to let individuals know what they could do about that. But that's okay. They're not going to censor us. We're going to find another way to do this. And so I love it. So hopefully, if all things work out, we'll figure out a way. I'll be there with David next week in person. And we're going to be having the um, Empower Hour next week together. And we're going to be talking about the 15 minute cities and on also this new tax. That the government wants to bring in for homeowners that when they sell the house, the government wants to take a chunk because of their reckless, intentional, reckless spending. They think it's a good idea that for those of us who bought a home and poured our life savings into it for our retirement, that they can now come and take a chunk of that. So I say no way, Jose. And uh, man, we got to rise up. We need millions of Canadians to join Action for Canada. Make it your mission to get people to sign up with us. And uh, join us and join an Action for Canada chapter. If you don't have one in your community, uh, we're, we're working at that and vetting people. So just keep checking back with us. Okay, Terenzio, can we bring up the Bible verse as well? All right, Romans 12 uh, to 19. It says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. And that's what I want to encourage you all to do. Just do not lose hope. Keep on praying. Trust that the Lord has a plan. And to continue, as we've said throughout all of this, you know what? Sometimes love must be tough. And love means speaking the truth. It does not mean tolerating everything. We have to have boundaries and you have to be bold and courageous. Uh, God gave us the Ten Commandments for a reason. And you know, when we step outside of those commandments, we suffer consequences for it. It doesn't mean that he doesn't love us. But if we don't suffer consequences, we don't get our lives back in order. We have to be uncomfortable before we'll actually respond to a a negative choice that we've made in our lives. So let's start thinking about our participation in Canada. Let's start thinking about how much we actually love Canada. What are we willing to do in order to ensure that our country is going to have a future that's one of based on freedom and democracy? All right, think about those. I'm asking you some good, deep questions tonight. And some of the answers for me, of course, are we need to stay right with God. We need to get involved in our government. We need to get very involved with our kids. And we need to be on, front, on the front line of that battle. And the Bible says to those who are harming children, this is a warning. And I won't want to be you if you're part of this agenda warning kids, but it says better to wrap a millstone around your neck and cast yourself into the sea if you harm a little one. And so that's God's warning. It's his wrath. It's his vengeance that's going to come upon those of you who are actually harming our children. But understand, if you're complicit, you're guilty as well. If you're silent, you're also guilty. We need to, now that you have the knowledge and you know what's going on, you need to get on the front line with us. Anyways, I'll leave it at that. God bless you, and God bless Canada. We are going to be in every town and every city. And we are going to build communities within these communities of like-minded people who are actually going to care for one another again and love on each other and give each other the help when they're down. We are going to use the the, uh, teams and the people that build within chapters to support our businesses. The government's actions are completely 100% unlawful. Judgment will again be found on justice and those with virtuous hearts will pursue it. You have a virtuous heart if you are here today pursuing freedom and righteousness. And then verse 23 comes along with a promise. God says he will turn the sins of evil people back on them. He will destroy them great comfort in that because I serve a mighty living God who has allowed us to go through this season of discomfort because we as a nation have turned our backs on him and we need to get right so I am just going to thank you so much I'm going to say God bless you and God bless Canada